Oh my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Intrepid Business. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle. I'm really excited today to speak with a man who started as a flea market parking attendant and worked his way to become a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. We're going to get right to it. Today we're joined by Jason Garner, author of the book, And I Breathe, My Journey from a Life of Matter to a Life that Matters. Jason, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's truly our pleasure. Could you take a few seconds and inform the audience about you and your background? I was raised by a single mom in a trailer in the Arizona desert uh, to begin with. And we later moved to California and kind of throughout my whole childhood, there was this very strong theme of lack. You know, my mom didn't have money. She was scraping by, you know, nights I remember lying in bed hearing my mom cry, trying to figure out how she was going to pay the bills for my, my sister and I. And I think at a very young age that instilled in me this drive uh, this drive to be the best, this drive to make money, this drive to to succeed in many ways subconsciously to, to heal the, the wounds and the pain of, of my mom. And so at the earliest age I can remember, I started working. I sold gum on the schoolyard uh, when I was in school so that I could buy my lunch uh, and not have to get the free lunch. You know, I worked at a flea market, as you mentioned, and ended up running that, that business. And then I got into the to the concert business and eventually um, worked my way up to being the CEO of Global Music for Live Nation, uh, which is the largest concert promoter uh, in the world. And then in the middle of, of all that, in the middle of you know believing I was living my dream but really not feeling fulfilled inside, uh, my mom got stomach cancer and shortly after her diagnosis died in my arms and that that process for me of taking that time off from work, that time of connecting truly emotionally heart to heart with my mom and really with myself caused some questions to arise for me, you know, a new uh, a desire for a new story that had a little bit more to do with self-love than just this charge up the hill. And it sent me on, on the journey that I described in, in my book, And I Breathe. That's awesome. Can you tell us about your motivation for writing the book? You, you talk about in the book, you've read, and I have too, many books by CEOs that books may be more about their ego and do it like I did and you'll be fabulously successful as opposed, I think you were, you have a much different motivation that you talked about. Yeah, you know, for forever, for as long as I can remember, people have been telling me you should write a book. And I think most of the time, they were talking about a book uh, that had to do with flying on private jets with rock stars 
or hanging out backstage or, you know, maybe some exploits from the boardroom, you know, some kind of egotistical story. And that kind of never resonated with me. You know, I was always the guy behind the scenes, not the guy in front of the scenes. And it didn't feel right to tell that story. And quite frankly, I think you and I both have read books where some people who had really amazing, sexy lives tell those stories. And I thought their stories were, were better than mine. You know, Almost Famous <laughs> is a great rock story. It doesn't need to be told again. And following the death of my mom, and then as I started to meet these great teachers that I, that I studied with, and I started to feel changes within myself, my friends started to see those changes. And then they started to say to me again, you should write a book. And at first I shrugged it off, but as I started to think about it, I felt there was this opportunity to write a book for people like me, people who are achieving in life, people who are working really hard, people who believe probably deep down that they're not good enough unless they're working hard, and to write a book that could be their friend on their journey, right? To be So that I didn't want anyone to have to feel alone the way that I had felt as I started to confront these emotions and I started to get to know myself better. At the time, I really thought like I was the only guy on the planet who was going through these insecurities and these fears. And as I started to learn more, I realized it's really a common condition, a human condition, but really an executive and a business condition that so many of us have these feelings inside that are masked by the Superman or Superwoman on the outside. And I just wanted my book to be that friend that could walk with people and, and could give them that message of you're not alone. That's great. You know, one of the things I really love about your book, Jason, is you tell stories rather than directly instruct someone to take step A, take step B. Um, and there's so many lessons. One, one of the lessons uh, that you teach is um, reprogramming your habits. Could you tell us some of the ways to reprogram your habits to make someone more successful? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I wanted to tell stories in the book instead of writing. I, I say that my book is not a self-help book because we're not broken. My book is a self-love book because we feel unloved. And, and that was really what I learned on my, my journey. And so much of that lack of feeling loved comes from the programming that we get as kids. And if we just kind of think back to our earliest memories as children, we were getting applause or punishment for something that we were doing. And so we learned really young that when we got an A on a report card, we were good. And when we spoke up when we weren't supposed to in class and the teacher you know, gave us a detention, that we were bad. And as you multiply this by first hundreds and then thousands and then millions and millions and millions of impressions that we receive from you know before we're born, while we're in the womb, all the way throughout our lives, we really become conditioned and programmed to the only time I am good is when I'm doing what someone else wants me to do. And the problem is that inherent in that is my feelings never matter. My feelings never show up. And, and so I did a lot of work on, on learning to reprogram. And I think the first step really is the awareness that that is true. The awareness that what's driving me isn't always what I think is me, right? It's always even though I love to work, even though I love to make money, underneath is a deeper desire to be loved. And once you get in touch with that, it really causes you to start to ask the questions 
And that's why the book isn't a how-to book. It's more of stories because what I found is that questions would arise for me and I just needed new stories to help me figure out my own personal answer to those questions. And so I told my own stories in hopes that it would provoke as well. And so for me, the first step was really becoming aware. There's a great book. Dr. Bruce Lipton wrote a book called Biology of Belief that really delves into this idea of our subconscious programming and the, and the reprogramming of it. And that's a, that's a really good starting point. And then I think just consciously taking time throughout our day to check in with our own feelings and to show ourselves that we matter. I do that by doing yoga and meditation in the morning. Yoga is a scary word, so call it stretching the way we used to in high school sports. You know, just really getting my body open and ready for the day, taking some time with myself, sitting to meditate for a few minutes is just a moment where I can breathe and I can be in touch with the fact that my feelings matter and that my body matters and that it's not just the world's timeline that matters. And then I've really found that proper nutrition and for me, the most efficient way to do that is via a green juice, a green vegetable and fruit juice every day. Sends that same message into my cells. And while I'm out flogging my body <laughs> to, to meet my quarterly expectations, I'm at the same time giving my body the fuel to do it. The same way we put gas in a car or we have a staff meeting at work to tell our staff that we appreciate them. We've got to do the same thing with our body. And slowly over time, we just start to have a new story emerging as we start to love ourselves, as we start to care for ourselves. And it doesn't require checking out of business. It just requires checking in with ourselves. You mentioned burnout there, Jason. How do you prevent burnout before it's too late? What are the signs that people should look for? Yeah, I think the, the hard part is that most of us, in order to make change, because, because we live in a business society, that drives us to burnout. Most of us end up burned out before we realize that we're burned out, right? And so it's exactly. Like, it's a it's a hard thing to catch. And I I think as we start to feel really stressed, as we start to feel the walls closing in on us, as we start to feel that no one understands and no one appreciates us, and we have no time for ourselves, those are all signs that I'm building a life that's not centered around my own needs. And one of the questions that I like to periodically ask myself because I in no way have this all figured out and I find myself consistently falling back into these patterns is I just ask myself, what am I building with this? Because when I find that I'm living a life where I have no time to breathe or I'm building a life where it's impossible for me to attend to the to a birthday party of my child or Valentine's Day with my wife because I'm so busy or I've lived building a life where my body is constantly in dis-ease and disharmony and I simply ask myself what am I building because we all set out on a journey to build something amazing with our lives you know we didn't set out to kill ourselves we didn't set out to work ourselves into a hospital we set out to build something better than we had. We set out to build something magnificent that would inspire others. And then sometimes we just get lost, and that happens on journeys. So I find that question, what am I building with this, continually reminds me and helps me right the ship when maybe I get a little too caught up 
in things that aren't consistent with what I set out to build. That's great. I'm definitely going to take that down and put it on a sticky right by my computer. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate that. All right, with that, Intrepid Healthcare will return with our guest, Jason Garner, after this quick break. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Miles Finch Innovation, LLC, a creative consultancy that cares about training teams and coaching individuals on creative leadership. They've worked on the front lines of corporate innovation and know firsthand the struggles you face day in and day out. They've walked in your shoes and they can help. Miles Finch Innovation has an engaging training program designed to teach the principles of the seven C's of creative leadership. If you're interested in building these competencies at your company, be sure to contact them at info at milesfinchinnovation.com. Miles Finch Innovation. Idea-centric, strategically driven, humanly conscious. And we're back with Jason Garner, author of the book, And I Breathed. So, Jason, before the break, you talked a little bit about meditation. Expand on that thought and talk talk about how we can use meditation to really increase our effectiveness in the workplace. Yeah, you know, when I when I first started to meditate, I had this kind of grandiose idea of what it was all about. One, one I, I thought it was something much more complex. And two, I thought that, you know, I was going to see angels and fairies and unicorns <laughs> when, I, when I sat down. And, and what I've really found is for me, meditation is nothing more than just a, a time to be quiet with myself. You know, and I think if when we equate that to business, it's much like taking a week off from, from the busy business schedule to contemplate on the planning of the year ahead. You know, to, to get quiet and to try to pull ourselves out of the battle and then to kind of see the panorama of what's going on in our business. And we really need to do this in our lives because we just get so caught up in what's going on. And we know we live in this world where there's 24-hour access where our days are no longer divided into hours or even 30-minute increments, second by second something is happening and data is coming at us all the time. And that's really overwhelming. And so for me, meditation is just a time of sitting, being aware of myself, breathing, and just really telling myself that, that I matter. And so I think where that starts to become really part of business is when I show up, with an expanded awareness, when I show up with increased peace and harmony within myself and my brain is not rambling at a million miles a second, but just a little slower, a little more perceptive, I end up being much more productive. And of course, at the same time, I'm caring for myself. And, and that, I think that combination is what we're all looking for. We, we want to be business warriors. And as I say, but we also have to take care of the monk inside so that we have that balance of both warrior and monk. Outstanding. Wow. Tell us about the trend of pushing for compassionate leadership and what would make that more successful? Yeah, that's something that I'm very joyful about. I just, I think, I think more and more we're seeing this new generation of leaders, people like my former boss and mentor, Michael Rapino at Live Nation and, Mark Benioff at 
Salesforce. Richard Branson, of course, has been leading the way for many years. And just this idea that something beyond just shareholder value matters. You know, we, we calculate success, and if we think about what success or failure is in business, it's just key metrics, right? Like every right. year, all of us, we identify our metrics. And when we throw a metric in there like, is my staff happy? Or we throw a metric in there that says, how do I impact the environment around me? Or we throw a metric in that says, my own personal health and the health of the people that work for me matter. I think we start to have a much more well-rounded work experience and a work experience not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. And when we think about the number of hours that we're spending at the office and that we're asking people around us to spend at the office, when we hear people say things like, we're going to change the world, the truth is change in the world is going to begin with change at the office. And if we don't change the experience at the office, simply by sheer numbers, by the amount of time that we spend at the office, we won't change the world. And so I think all of us, when we show up at the office, have the opportunity, yes, to show up and be productive members of a business team. But we also have this greater opportunity to show up and look around the room and see a bunch of people just like us, moms, dads, sons and daughters, people who have hopes and dreams and fears and insecurities, people who are going through divorces, people who had a fight with their spouse or the children in the morning, people whose parents are dying, people who dream of making money and doing something better in their life. And so when we connect as human beings, that's where I think this compassion starts to come out. And yes, there's a boss, and yes, there's a team, but I think when the boss looks at the team and sees a bunch of people just like himself or herself, that's where true magic starts to happen. I think that's what that's this movement that we're starting to see towards that compassionate leadership. You use the word love. It must be 10 years ago, I was inspired by a book by Tim Sanders, Love is the Killer App. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever read it, but your book uh, really kind of took the concept of love to the next level from Tim's book for me. Is that what you're talking about, bringing love into the environment? Yeah, it's such a it's such a funny thing because it's a word that we never use in business, right? It's like there's, I've read a couple articles recently about crying at work and is it the death of your career? And it's almost a ridiculous concept when you think about it. It's like, well, I spend 12 hours a day at the office. Of course, sometimes I've cried at the office, right? <laughs> it's like, and so I, I think when we allow love in, because when we're honest, and it's a hard, sometimes it's a hard conversation for some of us warriors, but when we peel back, what are we really looking for from our work environment? All the way back to the base emotion. We almost always find that what we're really looking for is to be loved. It came from a little boy or a little girl trying to make his mom and dad or her mom and dad proud of them through their efforts. And it started in, you know, it started when we learned to walk and it's brought full circle now and we're, we think that we're <laughs> these mature adults and that we're living adult lives. But what we've really forgotten is that we're looking for that love. We're looking for that connection. And I think when we just become aware of it, I'm not saying the office is ever going to become a mushy, gushy place, right? But between where we're at now in this environment to mushy, gushy is a really long, <laughs> long stretch. And there's many steps we can take along the way 
where we can just start to love ourselves and love others as much as we love the paycheck and as much as we love, you know, the metric or the, or the result. That's awesome. I know you said your book wasn't about sharing some of the stories from the road, the parties, and but maybe you could share a story or two from your time at Live Nation that would inspire our, our audience. I think my favorite story is a story that my boss, Michael Rapino told me about his original mentor at Labatt's Brewery when he was working in the brewery business in Canada. And Michael had been given his first big chance as a marketing director and they were expanding, the company was expanding into South America and Michael was given the task of building the strategic plan, marketing plan for that expansion. So he really worked hard and he put together this great presentation and it involved all the things that we're, we've come accustomed to with alcohol marketing campaigns, neon signs and advertising and probably models and bikinis, all those kind of things that we associate with, with beer. And when he got into the board meeting, he presented this thing, and he was so proud of himself, and his mentor looked at him and said, what's the one thing that we, we're trying to get? What's the one thing we need to be able to be successful in these countries? And Michael said, cooler space. And his boss said, cooler space. And he said, yes. He said, and that's why we're going to do all these things because we're going to convince the store owner to give us cooler space. And his boss looked at him and said, why don't we just buy them coolers? And for, for me in business, it became this mantra when I was overcomplicating things. I would look at my team and say, what are the coolers in this situation? And, and I, that story has always stuck with me for just the simplicity of sometimes we build up these elaborate stories and all we have to do is really look for the simple cooler in the story. That's great. I'll tell you, my favorite story in your book is the one about Enrique Iglesias when you guys were in Mexico with your mom and she wasn't doing well and he tried to come by and visit and missed her and then, you know, he was persistent and insisted that you meet him just so he could give her a hug. It's those kind of stories about real humanity that you don't hear not only about celebrities, but, you know, you don't see good stories like that in the news or often read about them in books. Like you said, it's all about the metrics. How many units did we sell? How much did our profits rise, etc.? So I really appreciate you sharing personal stories like that and showing us people really are human and really can love and be in business with each other. I think I think that's right, and that that story of of that just really genuine human offering of love that that Enrique gave me and my mom. You know, we think how does that have anything to do with business? And I'll tell you, for the rest of my career, I would take a bullet for that man. That's you know, right. I mean, just that he he's so connected on a heart level and put aside wherever he and his plane needed to be in the next <laughs> in the next couple hours. He stopped and said, we're going to do something to touch my friend and, this, and my business associate's life. And I think right now in our office, you know, people that are listening, when we look around ourselves, there's someone in our office who we have the opportunity to touch. I heard a, a great story about Mark Benioff once. It said he goes to work every day and tries to make one person happy. And it's like if we all just did that, I know we're busy, but if we just said, Hey, in the midst of all the things I'm going to do today, 
I'm going to try to make one person feel happy. And it's also okay if that person's you. Because if over 365 days we take time to make ourselves happy and we take time to look at the person next to us and connect with them as a human being and make them happy, boy, all of a sudden work starts to become this much more enjoyable place. And now we're not seeking peace away from the office. We actually come to an office where peace exists. And that's the perfect goal. And I think that's a, a great way to close down our episode. We're running out of time, Jason. Before I let you go, where can people contact you and learn more about your book, And I Breathed? I have a website at jasongarner.com where I share my book and stories and I write a weekly blog and you can connect to my social profiles off of there as well for LinkedIn and Facebook and, and Twitter. But jasongarner.com is a, a good starting point. Jason, it was so great to have you. Thanks for making the time to join us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was great. It was. That wraps this broadcast on behalf of our guest, Jason Garner. I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Business.